Welcome to Regulars Anonymous. With host, Zachary Landry. Sitting down with the people who are standing in line behind you at the grocery store. And hearing what they have to say. It doesn't matter. I don't know. I think all mic stands are eventually just are shitty. <laughs> Get worn out. They eventually just become decrepit. Yeah. Like every single one that we have is has its own issue with it or somebody's over tightened a screw or there's a part or like tightened it and then tried to fucking crank it yeah so it's just broken off in there so then carl takes it back and like drills it out i don't know if he's got a tap and die and like oh he's actually repairing these things oh he's got a graveyard of parts for every (laughs) everything right like he's like i'll just take this back to my studio and I've got, I think I've got the thing for it. And it comes back and it's like, it's fixed. It's, anything can be fixed. Anything can be fixed. And there's probably someone, there's always someone out there collecting the shit that you need. Yeah. And that's, that's fantastic. Cause I don't want to collect that shit. No, no. What do you collect? PC optimum points. <laughs> aggressively this year (laughs) you're on it yeah very pc focused well because there's there's an app and you can look up your weekly offers like you'll get twenty thousand points if you spend this much at this store like shoppers or or if you buy joe fresh at superstore that kind of thing or sometimes if you buy gas three times you spend forty dollars of gas three times in a month but then there's mystery points sometimes, which I always, uh, that that's intriguing to me. I you like appreciate to, that. I like to play mystery points, but it's not, the stakes could be a little higher, I think, because you have to spend like $60 and you're either going to get 20,000 points or 30,000 points. So you're at least, you're guaranteed a significant amount within of that range. Yeah. yeah. And every time I've done it, I've only got 20,000 points. So it's like, that's how they get you. Yeah. yeah. Every time that comes up, you want the 30. Because it's essentially 50% off. Yeah. If you think about it. And not <laughs> now, but in the future, <laughs> I can use these points. But I'd like using, using like the business card, that's like you're accumulating so many more points at all these different places. And then you use the points to buy like gas and diapers and baby formula and things that we need that a little harder to write off yeah so <laughs> that's that's the, the, the point system the point system's working but yeah so that's what i collect i collect pc <laughs> optimum and and like i spend them occasionally but now i have the most points that i've ever had so i i like just looking at the number and be like yeah i can <laughs> i can get anything in superstore or i can get anything at shoppers drug mart like get a lot of i don't know bags of cheesies or something if i really wanted to (laughs) kick back for any yeah be irresponsible (laughs) with my points but so have you ever pinpointed what kind of initially drove you to be 
or drove your entrepreneurial mindset? I don't know what drove it. I, I started young. Like I started making money for myself when I, I would say about 11 or 12. My grandpa was an entrepreneur. I guess he was, I guess both of them were at a certain point. But just just the circumstances that you're faced and, you know, if you're if you're working a job somewhere and you eventually kind of get tired of that and you want to do your own thing, work for yourself and build your own kind of business empire up. So both my grandfathers always told me stories about the businesses that they had ran. And uh, my grandpa on my mom's side, he actually owned a, a steakhouse and bar in Yellowknife. Mm-hmm. And he always warned me, he's like, don't do it. Like, it's a scam. Like, you're going to get ripped off. People trust you. Like, just make sure you're making money and that you have a good accountant. So I, I, I definitely take that advice seriously. I can always hear that in the back of my head. Like, <laughs> all right, these people are, are going to make sure nobody's trying to fuck me over here. And, you know, things are things are tight because, you know, you you walk away from it, you're not looking it it can go sour very quickly people take advantage of the situation people take advantage of the situation things just slip so you got to be there you got to be a part of it all the time making sure that you're making the machine work yeah to its highest efficiency and what's the hardest part in well in navigating other people because i'd imagine part of it is is that they're not as invested into the idea as you are yeah, it, it's it's certainly a hard thing to convey to your staff sometimes, like how important certain things are. Mm-hmm. Because I have I have been doing it for as long as I have, so I've already experienced a lot of the things that other people in the workforce or other people just in life have not like experienced. I guess even in the in the smallest thing, like just something stupid on the the printer or how like one cooler door will stay open a little bit and just like use power and overwork the compressor more than it needs to be. So it's like, make sure all those are like closed and <laughs> yeah. The end of the night checklist of the, of the details, but the deep, no, it, it would be, it'd be a ridiculous <laughs> checklist. Of, like make sure all these tiny little things are done. I thought about making like a, the super list. No, like it, like it, no, <laughs> people don't read lists. So I thought about making like a nineties, uh, like instructional, instructional video, video <laughs> and say like, Hey, so now you work here. Let me show you all these things and how this, like how this cushion gets pushed back in this way. And this one you have to tilt forward and duck it in the back. <laughs> and that this thing, you have to jiggle it a little bit and then it'll work because I think that might be the, most efficient way of conveying that information in a, in a more visual and interactive way than because right now when we're training staff, I'm, I'm there and I'm like repeating myself over and over again for, you know, this, this process of training someone and you don't always mention everything in like a, like a structured way. Yeah, it's, it's like, okay, now this, now this, but whatever's that, in front of you at the moment, that's one thing I've thought about is to, to structure the training a little bit more like, like a franchise, but just like 
somebody who gives a shit about how <laughs> the order of operations and how things should go and and that uh you know when you're a part of this place then that's this is kind of the the standard yeah the expectation the expectation yeah exactly because sometimes it gets lost on people like especially working with young people like they just don't have the same awareness of themselves or the task that they they have in front of them it's and it's there's a lot of hand holding and a lot of like okay no you didn't do that right you gotta, you gotta do it again or <laughs> you gotta throw that out now like i don't know just simple things like that where it's it's hard to teach the common sense to people mm-hmm. so i think if you could just show them how to do it and explain why it's important to do it this way regardless of how your brain wants to interpret what we're asking you to do just yeah. like do it this way trust me because you've already <laughs> distilled it down to what it needs to be yeah and for me this is the most effective and efficient way it can be done not just by me but by anyone so Cause what i appreciated the most was it almost felt like uh, like a stage production yeah and being behind the curtain and making sure that everything's running even even just the shift on perspective from sitting on one side of the bar to being on the yeah the opposite side you know this is an entirely different world back here it is <laughs> and it's interesting that you say that you had that experience because i did too because i remember the first time i walked behind the bar like i think it was like the week before I like completely took the ownership over, but I like, I had to like ask permission. I'm like, is it okay if I (laughs) check shit out back here? And, and just the viewpoint of how you're seeing an angle of the room that you've never seen before, but you've been there a thousand times. Yeah. But just like this part of it when you're on, yeah, it's, it's like a whole other world for sure. And just to, think back of how much it's changed since that first time that I did that. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the color of the walls and how it was decorated and like where all the furniture was and how small the stage was <laughs> just how small it was in general. The whole thing. Yeah. Yep. Everything was small, but it felt so much bigger when you're on that side. Cause you're like, Oh, this is like, this is new. Like this wasn't, Look at all yeah. this extra space I have to roam in now. Room for activities, yeah. yeah. And are you pleased with where it's come so far? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely pleased on how it's how far it's come and the fact that we're we're holding on, we're still there. And uh Yeah. It's it's picking up picking up steam. I think we're uh it's been a long ride out outside of COVID. Mm-hmm. Like I remember talking to Greg like two weeks after everything opened up and he's like, so you made all your money back that you lost over the pandemic. I'm like, no, <laughs> in two weeks. Like, I don't know, you know, some people's perspectives of it might be that we're making like $20,000 a night, but that's just not what's happening <laughs> at all. Like that would be nice, but 
that's just not the size that's not the scope of of the production the production yeah exactly is there anything going forward that you'd like to see changed or that you've you've got in mind of oh yeah i the the change in the room for improvement never ends no constantly refining yeah and there's just tiny little things that I would just continue to do when I have the time and when the idea, when the reminder hits me like, Oh yeah, I thought about doing that. I never got around to it. Like there was one security camera that had the cable coming out by like the patio door and then going underneath the bulkhead on like exposed around to the other side where that camera was. But I, I find I had to search for a, like inch and a half paddle bit to lend my buddy. And then in that, I found all the other paddle bits that I had. So I was like, Oh, I could just use one of these drill a hole behind the speaker over there and fish this wire through just so people can't see this little wire (laughs) for three inches on the corner of the room that they might not have noticed anyway. They might not have noticed anyway, but now they'll definitely not notice it because it's, it disappeared. Yeah. And I remember in the beginning, I had a lot, a lot of days like that where I could just spend the day, like, fixing stuff or improving stuff or anything like that. But speaking of details, <laughs> I forgot to unplug that. Bitch. Your ice machine is. Remember to plug it in when I finished the last one. <laughs> right. So does that sound? It's just pumping water, yeah. or yeah. Ice machines are another thing that are a pain in the ass. You've had trouble with yours over the years. Well, it's, I don't know how old it is, but it still works and we get it cleaned regularly, but sometimes it just, no water gets to it and we replace the filter. And then like a couple months later, it had the same problem and we're like, what's going on? Then it just starts working again. You unplug it and plug it back in and it's like, it's brand new. So. I don't know. From the perspective of of the production uh, side of it, has there been nights that you've really appreciated since, since you've taken over and yeah, I, I, I think, I think that's ongoing too. Like I appreciate it every night that people come out and they, they take a chance on an artist that they may not be familiar with or, you know, if it's covered by donation, there's a lot of people that are just out just to, just to check something out. It's a bit more approachable, but it's all also nice when you sell, sell out the room and everybody there is like, they're invested in the show. They want to, they're paying attention, close attention to the show the whole time and witnessing that and just being a part of that experience for people on an ongoing basis is really rewarding. But in doing that, I also find the ways to improve upon that experience for other people because I'm a part of it. I can kind of see where those details could be slightly improved. So I'm always working on that with uh, staff and the tech in the room as, as far as like the most recent thing I did was create light scenes for different parts of the evening. Mm-hmm. So when like when you walk in 
as a staff to open the the bar you just hit one button all the lights come on and then right at five o'clock when the bar opens the lights automatically dim to an open setting whether they hit the light or not whether they hit the switch or not oh so that's a visual reminder like oh yeah the bar is open now so i get you know if you haven't turned on the sign and unlock the door now's the time to do that and the most rewarding part for me that I'm sure it goes noticed, but I don't know how it's such a subconscious and subtle change that when the music starts of the show, the lights, all the wall lights, like slowly just fade and and shut off. And then the stage lights get brighter and just the mood is kind of more stage focused than, than just lights up and, and socially focused. Mm -hmm. But Playing with that and being in control of that is fun because I've started to I've started to give this piece of advice to musicians and I don't want to feel like I know more than them <laughs> about how they should be doing their job. But the piece of advice is when you hit the switch and the house music shuts off, everybody there is socializing. They're listening to house music, whatever you go up there to start the show, to hit that switch. That is not the time to start tuning your instrument. (laughs) That is not the time to even introduce yourself and say, hello, you know, we're on the road, you know, introduce the, sometimes they introduce the band. They tell you, oh, we're on tour and we're, we just recorded a new album and we were in Edmonton last night and we're in, we're in Lethbridge tomorrow we're here tonight in Red Deer. How are you guys doing? Yeah, you good? Like that, like just banter and it's like, no, the piece of advice is when you hit that switch, be ready to play a song, just play a song, then talk as much as you want, but to start the show with music. So that energy just gets shifted to the stage automatically. That is, that to me is such a better show. Mm -hmm. so when that happens when the music actually starts that's when i hit the button for the light scene to change but if you go up there and you're just rambling i don't hit the light switch not until until (laughs) until like the the drums kick in (laughs) or like the bass hits then no no light change and that to me, that, that signifies that is the start of the show. Mm-hmm. That's what people are here for. And that's a great way to, to honestly start the show because it, you may, you, you gain the momentum. You're keeping it going. Yeah. Because if you just, everyone's having a conversation, you know, they're up and about, they're ordering drinks, they're going to the bathroom, they're coming in from having a smoke let me kill. You, hit, you hit that switch and you're like, okay, everybody listen to me now. Um, yeah, just, sh- <laughs> uh, you know, like don't do that. Mm-hmm. Win them over. Like we're all here to hear you play music. Do that first. And then tell, then tell your story. Tell, introduce yourself, introduce your band later, way later, like at to- the end. Yeah. On your third, last <laughs> song, introduce the band play one more and then thank everyone and encore at a reasonable time. 
and we're good. But do you, do you, are you having fun booking acts? Yeah, it it is a lot of fun. Sometimes the emails stack up a little bit, and I get behind, which is something I might be able to get to tonight. But it's really cool with the the bands that are reaching out have never played red deer before they've only heard of us through because their friends have played there we've, we're starting to get more touring acts like later this month we've got a like a celtic bluegrass band from newfoundland and they're like juno nominated so that's going to be really cool a lot of shows like that which are kind of coming through that just have just have more of a draw more of a significance to you know drawing people in their attention and their their interest to check 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 out this band and maybe they haven't heard it before but they know that that's the type of music that they enjoy so that's been uh really cool to not have to do much work reaching out to bands but that they just they just yeah they just filter in and we're able to fill three nights a week of of music from all over the place whereas that's changed quite a bit since 2019 i it was a lot of just local bookings and the occasional out of town one but now it's like out of province out of country artists that are coming through which is really cool that is very cool yeah and how are they finding out about it do you ever ask them that um well they they find out about the place just by just by doing their research to say, okay, I want to tour through Alberta or Western Canada. So they're going to look up artists that have done that mm-hmm. and where they've played. And the music community is, is sometimes pretty tight depending. I, I mean, it's definitely got its arms of, of, uh, you know, people that are removed from most of that. I don't know, just like a local community or, or kind of just different groups. But a lot of it's word of mouth, like musicians just chat and talk to each other and they're like, yeah, you know, we're doing a tour, but maybe they do Edmonton, Calgary. And I don't know if there's any other like opportunity, house concerts. A lot of people are jumping on house concert circuits. So that's its own kind of circuit above like public venues and then like larger venues because we're like a small, medium size, I guess, venue. Mm-hmm. Oh, pardon me. I'm tired today. Tired today? Yeah. What uh, What ended up happening last night? Oh, uh, we went down to the vat and played. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sweet. And then uh, Brandon and I just took the dogs for like a, a night walk. So yeah. We were just out, out and about in the neighborhood. Then up early. So. Anyways. <laughs> Oh, my foot's asleep. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I'm glad I'm doing this with you because I'm like, ah, it's Kyle. <laughs> yeah. When your foot falls asleep, it has two stages. <laughs> yeah. like, the numb stage. The numb stage is almost the best because... <laughs> the next stage sucks. If, if you have to walk, if you if you have to, like, get to the bathroom, because what happens, how it's been happening to me lately, is that... I have a baby in my lap and then it falls asleep. Can't so disturb then you it. Can't move because 
that nap is important <laughs> and the length of that nap within a day, it, it, it makes a big difference. So yeah, the next stage of that is just, you have to collapse and sit on the floor, <laughs> drag yourself to where you need to be and just like punch your foot until like the blood gets to where it needs to go to make that feeling go away. Yeah, but then I find once it starts rushing back, it just hurts. That. Like the pins and needles? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like yeah. to get that part over. <laughs> yeah. Just like, come on. Man, there was a kid in high school. It was like, you know, school ended on Friday, went home for the weekend. Saturday night in his room playing Xbox. His like whole leg falls asleep. Mm-hmm. Stood up to you know go to the bathroom or anything, broke his knee, <laughs> just snap. Yeah, yeah. Because you you think it's you think it's just working like it should, but no. Have you ever collapsed? <laughs> you stand up and your ankle rolls or some shit. Yeah, I uh, I had a surgery on my left ankle once. And they had to put like a spinal block in. Oh, that was like your anesthetic? The anesthetic, yeah. Yeah. So they said, yeah, we'll get it so it only freezes one side of your leg. How did they nail that? They didn't. Because <laughs> it froze both sides from the waist down. I was paralyzed when I woke up. I was like, well, this isn't what we... This isn't what I was expecting. I thought one of my legs was going to work, but they both don't work now until it wore off. But yeah, yeah. it was a little, little difficult to do anything else like below the belt. There's no feeling whatsoever. Oh, so, so they waited until like two in the morning when the like, uh, older nurse, was on and she threatened me that if you don't go to the bathroom i have to put this hose <laughs> inside of you i was like let's go take me that's the motivation i needed uh, yeah i'll make something happen here because like within like hours i would have been able to do it no problem but mm-hmm. She's like, it says on your chart you haven't gone to the bathroom yet. So I'm like, yeah, I can, I'm good with that. Like I can, I can hold it. <laughs> can't even feel it right now. I can't feel it, but that's that's not where the holding it happens. Yeah, <laughs> it's not at the end. It's it's in, it's an internal focus. <laughs> oh. What what's been the uh, the worst aspects of of running your own joint? Um, there are certain things that I don't enjoy doing about it, which is just like the correspondence, the office work. Mm-hmm. Like I like to think when I was younger, I, I liked doing paperwork cause it was, it, it was exciting to like fill it out exactly the way you should and doing the businessy stuff, doing the business businessy stuff. Cause it was few and far between, but it, when it's, when it stacks up and it's just every day all the time. Paying invoices is the most important thing. Paying payroll, those things 
I'm pretty on top of, but yeah, sometimes it's just the correspondence adds up. Then there's phone calls to make and just to, to force, force those things into pockets of time mm-hmm. and say, no, I, I have to get this much done on my list. Yeah. Make sure things are actually getting crossed off. Yeah. Make sure things are, you're kind of just putting a little bit of energy in different piles just to keep the levels reasonable. You don't want to stack this high over here. Things that you've, yeah, just not gotten too promptly. What about the shitty customers? Well, I don't know the the shitty customers, they're, they're there for their own experience. So I can't really think of them as shitty mm-hmm. and that if they, if they felt good about being shitty and that they wanted to come back and do it again and again and again, I might have a comment, but sometimes people are like that and maybe it just doesn't work for them if people are trying to be like loud or obnoxious or funny or telling jokes or just harassing other people that's that's what i think of sometimes when it can be a little bit annoying for other people if other people are feeling uncomfortable Mm -hmm. then now i'm uncomfortable because like you shouldn't be doing that yeah it should be a space where everyone is comfortable yeah you're sharing it and last night was a prime example of what I like most about it is when I started going there like 12 or 13 years ago, it was a place that you could go by yourself and feel okay by yourself because everyone sitting around the bar would be friendly and welcoming of a, of a conversation because it's kind of just a social like ring that you could kind of sit around. And last night, everybody at the bar was by themselves and it just filled up and it, it was, com- the, it was totally full yeah. of people that just wanted to be there in that, in that setting. But we had last week, I think had a very interesting night at the, at the bar at about nine 30, nine 40, nine 40. Maybe I'm in the kitchen making food. And the staff comes in, they're like, Hey, the fire department's here. And they just wanted to know who to talk to. I'm like, oh, okay, no problem. I'll, I'll be right out. I go out and in the lobby, there's, there's an RCMP. There's two fire department people, two people from the city of Red Deer, two Alberta health services inspectors, two AGLC inspectors wearing bulletproof vests and a paramedic. <laughs> It's like the place is going to fall apart. And I was like, what's up? And they're like, oh, we're just doing some, we're just doing your inspection. I'm like, okay. Um, we got a bar full of people and like, there's a show going on. There's a show going on. And if all you go in there at the same time, like we're over fire go capacity. So I can't allow that. <laughs> so they went in one at a time and they kind of split up and, some went into the front to the kitchen and then some went to the back and of course the band had a bunch of stuff stacked up by the back door so the fire marshal like talked to the band and he's like moving forward you gotta handle that i'm like i know i i will i'll make a sign yeah it says don't 
stack up your guitar cases and your drum cases and your jackets and do not block this exit you do not block the exit yeah yeah essentially that's what needs to be communicated there but otherwise we pass with flying colors after that guy comes in with a backpack and i'm not one to quickly judge whether or not somebody is like a street person or a backpack dealer a backpack dealer or anything (laughs) like that but like i say i want it to be a known as a welcoming space for anybody who's willing to be reasonable and uh so he comes in and he orders two rum and cokes and i said well do you have id do you have a credit card because that's one thing that's that's the best question that you can ask somebody that you know is homeless or mm-hmm. you know disenfranchised in a certain way is if they have id and that you only serve people with id because they don't have it so this guy didn't have it and he said okay well, he's like, oh, well, I'm just waiting for my friend. I said, okay. Well, there's a show going on. So it's $10 cover for the show if you want to stay for the show. He's like, okay. So he gives me $10. And he orders an ice water. To me, that's okay. The musician's getting money. This person's minding their own business at their own table, drinking water. That's fine. Then later on in the night, he asked me for a menu. So I give him a menu and... He takes a look at it and for like, an, I don't know, like 20 minutes, he's looking at the menu. I came back and I said, do you have any questions? And he said, I need you to call me an ambulance. And he's like holding his chest and I'm like, okay, like what's up? And he's like, my heart, my heart, I need you to call me an ambulance. So I'm like, okay. Somebody asks you to do that, you kind of <laughs> yeah have <laughs> obligated to take him seriously. But I, there's part of me in that moment that I didn't really believe anything he was saying <laughs> the whole time he came in. Like his friend wasn't coming; he was trying to get two rum and cokes. He only had ten dollars in his pocket, which I gave to the band. So I'm like, okay, I call an ambulance, and I'm on the phone with the nine one one dispatcher. And he's telling me, okay, you got to go over to him. You got to be standing with him right now. I'm like, yep. You got to ask him all these questions. Like, do you have a history of this? Did you take anything before this? Like, mm-hmm. have, you know, what are you like? All these things. They say, you got to check his pulse. So I'm like, okay, I've got his wrist. I've got his pulse. And they're like, no, that's not good enough. You have to touch his neck. You have to get it on his neck with both fingers, both sides. And I'm like, how am I even supposed to hold my phone? And I said, the bar's full of people and I own this business. It's not like, it's not a big place. Like (laughs) everybody's looking at what's going on here. There's two shows happening now. This guy's bopping his head. Nobody's helping me. I'm like trying to flag down like, and everyone's just like drinking. There you go. I wonder what's going on here. So he's like, yeah, no, you got to get it on his neck. I'm like, I don't really want to touch this guy. Like, <laughs> this is getting intimate. It, it, it got weird. Yeah. So I get his pulse on his neck and I'm like, one, two, three. It was a normalist fucking pulse that you could like, whatever your pulse is now, that's what this guy's pulse was. <laughs> 
So I'm like, <laughs> and then I like pulled away from the table and I said to the dispatcher, I'm like, this guy's lying. Like this, <laughs> he's not having a heart attack. Like for sure. I said, in my personal opinion, this is bullshit. <laughs> so he's like, okay, you got to get somebody to stay and watch him so you can flag down the the ambulance or send somebody else out to flag down the ambulance. And I'm like, nobody's helping me. This guy's fine. And I, so I run out and the ambulance like blows right past us and goes to like the end of the block. Mm-hmm. And I'm like banging on the side of the ambulance, like a kid that's late for the bus. And I'm like, Hey, it's back here. And then I go back and the guy's like, did you just flag down the ambulance? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, like you got to go back to that guy. And like, <laughs> Check take, his pulse again. <laughs> take his water and make sure he's okay. And he's not like, and there, cause he's like, okay, if he starts vomiting, you have to move him to the floor to just like lay down. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to do that either. Like that's, please send somebody as soon as possible. <laughs> so the medics come in and they come over to him and they lift his head up and they're like, oh, it's the same guy as last time. And he's been doing this. He did it like six times in the last week where he'd go to a place, order drinks, and then ask to call an ambulance so he didn't have to pay his bill. <laughs> because they asked me, they're like, does does he owe anything for his tab? I'm like, no, I gave him an ice water and took his $10 for the show. Like... Cause I, I'm glad I had the sense to do that mm. rather than be like, here's your, here's your nachos. Here's your, here's your three martinis. Oh my gosh. Oh, and here's your bill. Call me an ambulance. <laughs> oh. oh God. The inflation, <laughs> the nachos, the indigestion. I didn't know the taco beef was so much extra. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, we'll take you to the ambulance, but we're calling the cops this time. So I'm like, thanks guys. But like on top of the 12 person EGLC task force raid, I was like, okay, we're good. We're good for tonight. Yeah. Nothing more. He didn't even have a tab. He was just committed to his routine. Yeah. That's what I didn't understand. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe he was just tired of it. He was tired of doing it. See how long it could go. The charade's got to come to an end at some point. It's a good scam though. Like if you're, if you're displaced, but he wasn't selling it though. Maybe, maybe it was his first year doing it. First week doing it. But that'd be cool if you like go around, you could travel the world doing that. Honestly, like uh, (laughs) on a plane. Now you're in Memphis. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let me off here. Make it to your final destination. And you can just roam around just right before they're loading you into the ambulance just fucking book it (laughs) yeah i don't think this guy had the physical act attributes to book it but maybe he did i don't know But yeah, certain certain nights like that and, and days like that where it's like, okay, yeah. This is something that's happening. Like And it's just something you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. There you go. This is what my job is now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes it's like really ridiculous. 
It's like, hmm. It's got to be rewarding to, well, I think you see so many, uh, I kind of want to say like lazy entrepreneurs who once they get the ball rolling, they don't really stay on top of things. They think it's just going to roll downhill and it's going to take care of itself. Yeah. No, there's, there's more hills after that and you have to push it up mm-hmm. and sometimes more often than it goes downhill to downhill in a good sense. Like it's taking care of itself. You're making money. Mm-hmm. The snowball's getting bigger. Your momentum is continuing. Some people get really lucky, I think with the industry that they're in and possibly that's just, you know, that's why they got into it in the first place. Cause they realize that potential, but other things take a long time to grow it or a reasonable amount of time, especially in like the restaurant and like venue business. It's the places that have been around for like 20 years that they've kind of got it down and the other places that are operational for like three to five years and then they're, they're gone or sometimes a lot less than that. Like over COVID squashed a lot of people. And even now coming out of COVID, there's a lot of places that are closing or changing hands and, you know, people are kind of getting that bailout of, okay, this is, this is my new exit strategy. So yeah, it's, it's, Certainly not for everyone. No. But what advice would you have for anyone who's looking to get into it? Uh, come in for a beer <laughs> and at, like ask questions or already have like the answers to, okay, I've already got this and this, and I know that I have to do this. Like if you, if you can prepare yourself to do it, figure out what you need to do to prepare yourself for it. And if you don't know what that means, then you got to talk to somebody that knows that's done that stuff before to, you know, incorporate, get an accountant, you know, set up all these, even to set up your liquor licenses, like a 45 page application that takes months to approve. And some people don't, don't think you need to do that. You can just, you can just open a business and be good to start go. serving start serving yeah <laughs> worry about that stuff later I got my business license yeah no it's uh there there's a lot of stuff that you need to get lined up before you before you're ready and that stuff can bite you in the ass if you didn't do it right or you waited too long because you get that 12 person task force in there <laughs> And they're like, oh, where's your liquor license? Oh, where's your, oh, you, you just have water in these sanitizer jugs and you don't have <laughs> a food handling permit here. And, you know, there's, there's people smoking in here. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> that place sounds awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, this place sounds cool. <laughs> but no, I wouldn't fly. You'd get, you'd you'd be totally screwed like you wouldn't be able to open another business yeah you just describe someone's basement yeah exactly (laughs) exactly 
But yeah, you can't run a basement. You got to run a business. <laughs> that would be my advice. Yeah. <laughs> to sum it up. Be a professional. Yeah. Get it together. What's been like the most rewarding aspect on your end of things? It's hard to say because I'm like, we've mostly just been talking about one business. Yeah. That, I've realized that. So I think the most rewarding thing for me is, is when somebody recognizes that everything that I'm doing goes towards creating an experience for them. And that not everybody just clues into that automatically, but if they keep coming or sometimes people, you know, they're, they're well-traveled and they've seen a lot of places and they come into ours and they're like, okay, this is something different. This is, you know, this is very involved, uh, customer service and just attention to detail and everything that gets totally overlooked at a lot of other places, other places in the world even. So when people really recognize and, and compliment and appreciate, you know, exactly what I'm intending to do, that is rewarding. Cause that makes me feel like, you know, that's what I was, that's what we want to hear, you know? So that type of feedback is, is great. Yeah. I think one of the things that I most appreciate about how you operate and how you do things is your ability to, and complete what most people would deem like insane tasks. <laughs> yeah. Or just, you know, from your your cork uh, cork spa, uh, backsplash, yeah, or the penny bar, just well, it, it, <clears throat> I I like those projects because it's it's a little bit of math mm -hmm. and engineering and like physical work to to make something look a certain way, but you don't do it in front of anybody you, you work on it behind the scenes and then it's like bam there you go here's this now and that's something i learned from being a magician is that like anticipation and like suddenly now it's different like essentially walking behind the bar the first time and you get that totally different perspective you're like oh I never even thought about what this would look like. So then it's this new image in your mind and you're like, what? Yeah. It's never amazing. even thought to take a peek. Yeah. So I, I like doing things like that, uh, making improvements or, or doing something and then people come in and they're like confused. They're in like, what happened? What's different here? Or that a lot of people think that there's a mirror in there. Like when you walk in and you see like, the stage on the other side because the the lights are the same distance apart mm -hmm. throughout the place even though there's like pony walls and partitions so people think like 
that they're they're walking into an optical <laughs> illusion, like a fun house or something. But it's like, no, no, you can walk all the way to that end <laughs> go and touch not it. hit anything. You can, yeah, it's real. You can go see it. So, yeah, I guess it's your ability to be creative, and where your where your creativeness shines, but then also. Uh, at the high level that you operate the professionalism on things. It's very cool. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> because I, I love that shit, man. And the, where do you come up with the ideas for like, like the penny bar? For the, the penny bar was homage to the original owner of the velvet olive, which is her name was penny. Mm-hmm. So when I bought the bar, the first thing that I bought, on Etsy was like this, this wooden sign that says Penny Lane. And it was like painted to look like distressed. And, and, uh, I put that on top of the bar as kind of like a signature piece. Cause there used to be a sticker underneath by the till. It was like, it was like a road sign, like a green and white road sign sticker, bumper sticker that said Penny Lane. And I remember that from, sitting at that bar by myself 12 or 13 years ago and like noticing those details then that that was like, that's the first detail that I want to, that I want to put up reestablish. Yeah. And then there's like, if you go to the strippers, there's like the loony lane or like whatever that's called. Perv row. Perv row. Yeah. So that, you know, those kind of loops of whoops those loops of people would, uh, I don't know, have some sort of currency. (laughs) So penny lane and in kind of just a lane that would kind of flow around, give people something cooler to look at than the botched, uh, epoxy job that was on there before. It wasn't the prettiest looking bar. So I wanted to make it look cool and significant. I cannot even remember what it used to look like. It used to be brown and then they poured epoxy probably as about as much epoxy as we used, but there was like low spots of the oh, bar. Yeah. So it, it just looked wet. Like if you looked at it under the light, people would be like, is this wet? Like, can I get a cloth? And then it's like, Oh no, it's the light dried epoxy, but like the epoxy like dried in clumps on the surface not like a nice smooth smooth glass top but it is it is a marvel that you know people come in and they check it out they're like is this is this all pennies look at this like they're sitting at it for an hour and then they realize that it's pennies (laughs) it's like what but some people come in right away and they're like wow this is this is really cool like who did this like and the staff are usually like he did it (laughs) but I did it with some help over the first, first lockdown. That was our first lockdown project. It was about $150 worth of pennies and $850 worth of epoxy (laughs) (laughs) and like five days of work. But you made good use of that downtime. Yeah. Cause you just keep that energy, that momentum going. It's like, okay, I don't have a bar to run now. So let's, Let's make ice cubes and <laughs> do this penny bar. Redecorate. Yeah. 
but I was, they, that was actually a very perfectly timed project because I had already figured out how many pennies it would take because I didn't want to start it and not have enough pennies <laughs> and then all the banks be closed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like, Kate, now you're open. COVID's <laughs> over. Because you never knew after the first two-week lockdown. I was like, ah, maybe it's just two weeks. And then we'll be back to normal. Yeah. No, it was two years. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> not what i was expecting i I thought we were gonna have a penny bar and then that was it (laughs) check it out that's dope stuff no we had to get so much more creative (laughs) to get through all that is there anything at the forefront of your your mind that you'd like to see done next uh move my office that's like forefront on my mind right now is to like get that ball moving i got a text from our old landlord saying did you have a chance to run a internet cable from behind the bar all the way to the front of the building and then upstairs into your office for your for your printer i said no i haven't had a chance to do that yet (laughs) because he the there was internet included with our old lease Mm-hmm. but now the building is sold so we have new landlords so that internet is like disappearing and there's like a group chat and they're like okay who's who's using the internet and everyone said no except for me <laughs> <laughs> i was the only person using it functionally to send like f- print files from my computer to the printer the alternative to that is hardwiring the computer so i'd have to move my desk right beside it or put it on a usb and like walk it over mm-hmm. but i think i've i think i found a solution for that temporarily the long-term solution would be to just move my office yeah. downstairs out of that space and then have it all connected yes so. have everything connected the more ideal way but in the meantime i think i can just get a router and just have a local network and then just ethernet that in and then just connect my laptop to that network send files just to get printed i think that'll be a patch solution until hopefully hopefully before the new year Mm -hmm. i'll have that office move done and yeah that's kind of all i'm really thinking about most things i'm thinking about a lot of things all at once but that kind of takes up uh, a larger share of the mental capacity and like even when i'm sleeping i'm like <laughs> processing processing Planning. or just like having weird like dreams that don't make sense about details that don't even exist yet <laughs> but that's okay i'm working on it working it out how's your week been week's been good wednesday was a really long day one of the kids had hockey at six o'clock in the morning the day after Halloween. What'd they dress up as this year? Uh, A banana and master chief. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, do you know who that is? And they said, nah, it's from halo. I'm like, you don't know that it's master chief though. They're like, nah, no, we've never played that game because they don't have an Xbox. They've never played an Xbox. No. That's the only thing you can play it on. But it was like, 
I know who Master Chief is. I used to play that game all the time with my cousins and my uncle in their basement. And then when Halo 3 came out and you're playing like three or four player, like just 2v2 or whatever, oh, every, every man was, for himself. That was awesome. Rocket launchers only. <laughs> Stuff like that. It was it was like the golden eye of the 2000s. The next generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And like... I think I may have played the story mode of it a little bit on like the third one that came out, but it was just, it was all about the multiplayer. That's why we had it. I had an Xbox live account, no Xbox <laughs> just so I could <laughs> play. So we could, yeah, just play other people. Cause we'd, we'd have it so dialed in Yeah, and we're always just worked off one TV, but that's like, that's the most intense gaming I've ever done in my life. I would say <laughs> Halo yeah that's a good one frustrating at times oh yeah when you get <laughs> when you're on the receiving end constantly when you're on the receiving end constantly of somebody with a sword that just like <laughs> and you know, i'm respawning again and then you re- and then somebody knows where you respawn and you respawn mm, exactly, and you just get sniped right? That's what just that golden eye was savage for too. <laughs> like, if you killed yourself a golden eye, like say you blew yourself up, it would deduct. Oh yeah, you'd kill. have to wait like forty five seconds or something <laughs> to come back. Well, it take it would take away any kill. Like if you had a kill, it would take away a kill. Yeah. So, buddy and I were playing like complex with proximity mines. Yeah. I just ran around. I didn't even know like really where the spawn points were. But just randomly had mines at every spawn point. And he blew himself up twice. So the final score was like five to negative two. And it was just spawn. Did it, did it. Dude, did it, did it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good finishing move. And that was the thing. Like, if you, if you played it off. You knew all those things. <laughs> so then when that one friend comes over, it's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll play this game with you. Yeah. One thing I didn't want. What? It's just to be stupid tired. Yeah. Stupid tired is a thing. Yeah. So I have to be careful of, like, when my day ends versus when it starts the next day. Mm-hmm. If, like, if I get home at, like, one thirty-two in the morning, and then I got to be up at 5. It's the worst. That's not the best. No. But sometimes you don't, you don't have a choice when you have a living, breathing alarm clock. Yeah. Sleeping next <laughs> to you. That it just decides when to wake up. And But. Yeah. So Wednesday was a long day. Mm-hmm. Because. The kids, the one kid had soccer or no hockey in the morning. Then they went to school. Then Steph had a charcuterie order. She did. So by like 10 o'clock, I was delivering that. Then I came back. Baby had immunizations in Johnstone's drive all the way to the North end for an 1130 appointment, which didn't start on time. They never do. Then we get a call from the school that one of the other, the oldest kid is sick. So I've got to leave them there 
take the one vehicle we have back, pick up the sick kid, then go back, wait in the parking lot for the appointment to be over. Then after that, drive home and then get in my car and go pick up some paper for some printing that's coming up. And then I had to go to Wholesale Club, which I didn't have time because I got snagged at one of the other stops. Like I think at the printing shop, they're like, there's there's something with this sign that I picked up that was goofy. And I was like, why is it like this? Why can I see like different stuff behind this? And trying to, I don't know, figure that out. That conversation got too long. So I didn't have a chance to go to Wholesale Club because then I had a magic show at Red Heart for a kid's birthday party at 5.30. And then after that, I had to go to Superstore and Liquor Hutch because I was on that end of town. So yeah. while I'm dressed up in a three-piece suit, I'm picking up stock for the bar and heading back and just making the best use of where I am at any given time to just make that work. And then went back to the bar for like an hour or so. Went home, had dinner, came back, and like worked until midnight or something like that. On a Saturday or yeah. Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, on a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. That was a long, long day. Longer than usual, but on average. Yeah. They're they're all pretty long. What was going on uh, Saturday for? Uh, did you do like a Halloween thing? You didn't decorate and stuff. Did we didn't year, decorate? Did no, no, no. We like a little bit in the past. I think we've decorated, but yeah, I remember that. Um, no, we had uh, the show was Nolan and Nolan, and it was. <laughs> it's just funny. <laughs> I don't know why notes. that's funny. <laughs> so it was Joe Nolan and Scott Nolan. They're not related, but their last names are both Nolan, but it was a really good show. It was, uh, it was a ticketed show. So people were there that, that knew it and, uh, familiar with the music. There was a couple of girls that came in and sat at the bar and they had no idea there was a show going on. And there was a guy that drove up from Calgary and for was, the show for the show. And he's like, because we're like, okay, you know, show the tickets, $25. If you want to stay for the show and there, and you know, some people are like, Oh, well, you know, we didn't know that there was a show going on. And the guy says, stay for a couple songs. And if you like the music, I'll pay for your cover. Like oh, shit. these guys are worth seeing. And they're like, okay, yeah, cool. And, and Scott's style is very like Tom Waits, Leonard Cohen. Like he's almost whispering mm-hmm. in, in a lot of songs and just doing some like really crazy rhythmic guitar stuff. And they're both playing guitar for each, but they alternated who is singing or who is doing one of their own original songs. And it was, it was a really cool format. And, uh, there's some, there's some cool people there that really appreciated it. So nice. Yeah. And then earlier that day I had a magic show in black falls where I did a, like a kid's Halloween party or like 150 kids all dressed in costumes and I did like walk around magic in a stage show for that. And then I went on to work that show on Saturday night. So 
yeah it's just like there's a lot of hats yeah there's a, there's a few costume changes in a day that's for sure <laughs> from yeah where it starts to where it ends for sure yeah. did you pick up any new staff at work we we had this guy apply and i looked at his resume and i was like yeah cool thanks thanks for applying and you know like just let me get through the weekend and uh I'll hit you up. Give you a call next week, okay. like, because right now I'm I'm just fully prepared to work a certain amount of shifts and and uh, just kind of cover for you know just everyone's schedules and just finding enough people to fill all the spots. And I looked at his resume later and it said that he had like 13 years of cruise ship bartending experience and. It was like a barista and all these other things, but should know the drill. Yeah. I kind of had a feeling that he knew what he was doing. So I sent him an email and I said, Hey, do you want to come in tomorrow? You know, we could use an extra hand cause it was just myself and another person. And that was whatever that Friday, Oh, Friday, the 27th. I think we had give him Hellboys playing mm-hmm. that night. And we had some pre-sale tickets and then more people at the door. So it was a good thing I had a, a, a second person there. Turns out this guy's like a, like a sniper of bartending. Like he's required no direction at all. Just knew exactly what to do. He's doing like flare bartending tricks where he's holding like the jigger and the cup and, the, and like free pouring out to here and then like tipping the mixing all the drinks in one hand and then on wednesday he was in again and somebody asked for a glass of water and it was they wanted like three quarters like fill it up three quarters of ice and he's like oh okay so then he grabs the ice scoop and he's like really you know paying attention to how much ice he's putting in and then he holds it out and then he's got the, he puts the ice cube behind his back and it's got one ice cube in it. The ice cube flies up in the air and he catches it in the glass, like in front of the customer. And they're like, wow. <laughs> and I was like, there, now it's three quarters full of that one last cube. And he just won't stop proving himself. I've been searching for five years for somebody that has what he has and I, I'm like, fuck, I get, <laughs> this is good. So yeah, that's, that's also on the top priority in my list. That's sweet. And in, in with the office moves is to secure, uh, this guy because he's, he's dedicated. He's a very hard worker and takes direction very well. He's, and he told me, he's like, you have to tell me something once, maybe twice. And then I got it. And just the way he carries himself and like goes to tables, checks on tables, gets drinks, like rung in faster. Like he's used to working in, at a, at a cruise ship bar with 300 people and like four other bartenders. Mm-hmm. So he just had a section of about our size and you just, yeah, great to work with. And that's who I'm working with right after this, I'm going there to meet him and show him how to open things up. So, nice. yeah. 
Man, that's got to be a nice feeling to, because I know you haven't always had the best of luck. Well, it is a nice feeling because I put all that time and energy into training people how to do things a certain way, and then they just don't do it that way, or they work (laughs) two shifts and don't show up anymore, or complain that their feet are tired, or, you know, (laughs) two days from now, I'm going to be exhausted. I can't come into work. And it's like, yeah, what? So to just have the polar opposite of that and to see you know the the energy and the hard work that i put in in somebody else i think that there can be a lot of mutual respect there for mm-hmm. for that but the mutual respect is really hard when you're paying somebody you know a thousand or some dollars a month to just not pull their weight it's very frustrating but you have to because otherwise it's me having like no sleep at all and just doing everything. And that's just not a, that's not feasible. No. So I would do it if there was like an extra three days a week or an extra month of the year, then I'd be all over that. But that just not how it works. So yeah, finding the right people is hard. And I think I found somebody that's worth worth pursuing to see, to see where it goes. So not, not to, not to throw anyone else current staff under the bus, but, uh, (laughs) everyone who's currently there is fantastic, but it's not, it's not, it's not the main thing that a lot of them do. It's, you know, it's a, it's a casual part-time secondary thing or a new skill, whatever it may be. Yeah, it's a new skill and and just from that you know I, I can't expect you know blood sweat and tear dedication from from people that are there you know part-time whereas you know it, I, I think the the system works best with a lot of part-time people to just like fill in certain days but to have the people on board that that share the same vision and want to grow the business with you and you know, always want to make it better the same way I feel about it. Like that's, that's hard to find somebody that's already on that same page. You don't even have to invite them. Like they're there. They just show up right away. That's, that's huge. Thank you for listening to this episode of Regulars Anonymous. If you want to find out more about our guests, please check the bio below for all their links and information. Thank you for supporting by subscribing and following the show. I might see you out there and have no idea who you are.